Welcome into another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon, as we break down the weekend that was on the LSU side of things. Um, look, Shay, another Go 24-7 pod where everybody comes to get their LSU news. Uh, how's the weekend, my man? Yeah, Billy, good weekend. I uh, Obviously, I wish uh, for the subscribers on the board and, and for the fans listening that the baseball team could have uh, pulled through. That was an insane uh, come back at, at the end of the day on Sunday with all the home runs in the ninth inning. But uh, they end up dropping the series, and, and I shifted my focus to high school track because the state track meet was this weekend uh, on LSU's campus. And we've talked about it before, uh, how talented guys like Kayshawn Butte, um go down the list, really, Chris Hilton at Zachary, Corey Rain at John Curtis. Um, we saw some other guys emerge this weekend. I feel like Right now, at least moving towards the 2020 class and beyond, uh, Billy, is that we're seeing some of the best kind of two-sport standouts that we've seen in terms of football track uh, in quite a while. And we're living right now in the same age as Walker putting out two legit uh, football and and basketball prospects uh, in Jalen Cook and Brian Thomas. So uh, I think we're seeing more than ever kids diversify their portfolio uh, in terms of athletics and and I like it. I think it's a it's a good thing. Well, in the in the track times, especially, and and we see the. I mean, it's great. I mean, we'll talk about Joe Evans with, with shot put and things like that. But those guys that have that explosiveness in the shot put is great. But these track times are just some of them really put into perspective when these guys, you know, maybe don't have other things going on or um, can truly focus on this as their one. Uh, sport, you know, for example, as Trey Palmer has, as he's done with his senior year of football um, and not going through spring ball right now, how fast they can really be. And it, it's something that, look, I mean, it, last spring, for example, you know, Trey was, was nicked up throughout the you know spring and into the summer. And you can see him, you know, running against, you know, some of the competition he faces at, at Kentwood. But when he comes out and clocks a, you know, what was it, Shay? A ten four two. Yeah, I have it all here. So, and I was just looking to make sure of his win times too. So, I mean, we'll we'll dive into this first. Trey Palmer. It was so interesting because early on, and the only official times we get, so let's say twenty four seven, and then the team of evaluators, um, you know, kids can run at high school and say, "I ran a four four. Well, you know. It's best when you've got them in a setting like what the opening does, or at least the opening regionals, where they've got it all set up. You're getting hand and lasered. You're getting in a somewhat at least accurate grip uh, of how you run a 40, how you run a shuttle, how high you can jump, all that sort of stuff. And then, as you said, you throw in the state track meet, you've really got verified times of, of how quick these guys are. And early on, Trey Palmer ran in the four sevens at the kind of his first regional event. And it was so weird because I saw him going into his sophomore year at LSU camp and I made the case then, I wrote an article about it, that he was better than anybody that was at the camp. And that included kids that were about to be juniors and seniors. He was just so athletic. Then you see he's running a 4-7-something. Well, everybody in Kentwood said, not true. Look, he's banged up right now. Just wait. You know, Look the next time he gets a verified testing, uh, and you'll see. And then it came down to, an, I guess it was last year, You know, when he went through the opening, he ran in the 4-4. So I think he was 4-4-something, 4-5. So way better, right? And, and we thought, okay, this is the guy – uh, that we see, but it's such an interesting thing because even on film, he doesn't always look blazing, but it's kind of unfair because 
he plays every position for Kentwood in 1A, and they went to a state title. And I mean, at times, he's kicking off. He's running down to tackle the guy. He's on punt returns. He's on kick returns. He's playing quarterback, wide receiver, everything, let alone that he's playing DB and, and whatnot. So I could see how he gets tired. And you mentioned it. I thought it was key. He's done playing football. He's obviously a really good baseball player, too. But he's able to focus a little bit now on track. And he goes out this past weekend, wins the 100 in 1A, running a 10-4-2, wins the 100 in, two, in 1A as well. Excuse me, wins the 200 in 1A, running a 21-11. And to show you how fast it is, fastest in 25 years, I think more than that, 35-year-old record, 1985, was when the record was set. So about 35 years. Another Kentwood guy, he breaks his record in the 200 meters. And I'll throw you some perspective on it. Trey Palmer ran a 10-4-2 this weekend. The fastest guy on LSU's team, Kerry Vincent, who also is one of their fastest sprinters for the track team, bested his PR was a 10-6-4 in the 100. That was 2017 in outdoors as a high school kid. So he's got a faster recorded time than Kerry Vincent ever went. Here in Louisiana, Dante Jackson is obviously uh, the big name, and he ran 10-4-2 coming out of high school in the 100, which is exactly what Trey Palmer just ran. And a 21-4-2 was his PR. So Trey Palmer went faster than him in the 200. So we're talking about a guy who, for at least a day out there, was faster than Dante Jackson was in high school, was faster than Kerry Vincent in high school. That sort of totally changes your perception of, A, how good Trey Palmer could be in college, which I already thought pretty good, but B, maybe how early he can make an impact, Billy, on a team that returns every single wide receiver from last year so they don't have this huge need for Trey Palmer and Devonta Lee to play right away, the two kids they signed at receiver. But they do have now a guy who clearly is coming in as probably, if not the fastest guy on the football team. Yeah, and one thing that we try to unpack, I think, with all of this track data that we get, A, I mean, too late in in terms of final rankings. You almost wish that you know we can kind of tweak some things after these track times for all across the country, it's not just Louisiana, but as track times come out, because some of these guys, they don't run or they don't, or they get are hurt or whatever. And these times do matter. And look in terms of how it translates to the next level, we'll find out because you, know, you look at guys like Keenan Jones comes to mind. I mean, he was the most outstanding athlete, uh, track athlete in Louisiana coming out of high school and now he kind of bulked up when he got got to LSU, and that's why he's now a safety for them. Um, it, how how do you when you see these track times? I mean, it, how much of it is balancing that again? Film what we see in camps, what we see in track, and just saying, you know what? And as we kind of we'll move into this discussion of you know early contributors here on the football team, but. How, how much does this matter in terms of them being able to come in and, and play right away? You know, I think it matters some. I think it matters more to just getting the grip on backup data almost for how good we think that they can be. And, and I'm with everybody else, right? Like your film matters the most. Or what you're doing on Friday nights is the biggest testament. And I think more so what you're doing as a senior on Friday nights. We saw Trey Palmer win a state title because so often – Everyone, college teams, they've got 20 commits by the time football season is rolling through. So, so many guys end up blooming late, having a really great senior year. And I think often that's where we see guys who go to other places, even smaller schools, have a quick impact and go on to be really well known. And you're like, oh, how did you miss on him? 
I think a lot of them just become bloomers late in their process and teams kind of just skip over them. Uh, but I think that when you look at this, Billy, for instance, another guy I like, Joe Evans, who I thought, and I, I think we all did it, go 24-7, thought that nationally he was getting slept on a bit. He plays at a 1A school. He committed early. He wasn't going to a bunch of these camps where kind of national people saw him alongside other national defensive linemen. But we've seen him trim up. He looks good. He's a back-to-back shot-put winner. He won again this past weekend for 1A at Haynesville. He was a defensive player of the year in 1A last year. And I think that when you know that, okay, we saw that he was good on the football field. Now I also know he's just got some general athleticism. He's the best shot-put thrower in the state. Uh, That makes me feel better about not only playing, but maybe playing some early on or surprising people with how early he can get to the field. So I kind of I like this. I like seeing what kids do at indoors and outdoors uh, especially their senior year even, uh, because you get a good grip now. Like Trey Palmer and Joe Evans, we know are coming into LSU dialed in not only as football guys, but they look good as overall athletes. And that bodes well when you get on a team. And look, Joe Evans, and I can say this about both of them, Joe Evans and Trey Palmer play on a high school team where other kids signed. They've been the best player on their high school team for a long time. So when you get to LSU and you're no longer not even the best player at your position type of thing, uh, having some of that athleticism to bring to the table is huge. Yeah, yeah, it, it's nice to just see you guys be able to back up athleticism we see on tape or film or whatever, or in person even, because you know you can just love a guy in person, and then it turns out you know he's he's you know doesn't have that quick twitch or you know runs in that four six range consistently, and it's just it's an interesting thing that you know as we continue to kind of look at how we rank players, just um you know, how we, we, you know, calculate all of that and then put it together, you know, when we, when we rank these kids, but, you know, one thing I think Trey has shown over the last year and, you know, look like, and, and I'm a big proponent of this because I, I think sometimes, um, you can see signs, but look, I mean, Trey was banged up this, this whole spring and summer. And, you know, I was probably a little, um, hard on 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 that because when you see guys that you know are banged up at these camp settings and then they'll go run just fine and look fine and then sit back out it's just kind of one of those things where you're like okay well what's going on what's going on and then he you know goes out and has yet another season that um you know is all state worthy and they go on and win the state championship and all that um it's just such a tough thing to kind of wrestle with as you look at players and sometimes i think it is just um when you see players as much as you know we see certain ones sometimes you you look at them uh probably a little differently than than you might some others where you see them and you know on tape and then one or two settings over over a year but um with Trey to to see him as much as we did um or at least I did sometimes you know you just again wonder but I mean he backed it up with a great senior year I mean well, he, I think he's undervalued for us but what what do you kind of see from him as as far as contributing early because you know he's he's shown athleticism he's shown production he's shown all these things but you know at the end of the day LSU has some pretty talented receivers coming in coming back yeah and and he's got to play catch up right I mean these guys have all been in the system for a while so may could I see him this is where I I think that if LSU's smart right and and you've got to have the games for it but Trey Palmer can play in up to four games in redshirt. There's no reason, really, unless he's in some sort of special teams role 
um, where he's, you know, either returning the ball or you find him as you know, like someone you need at gunner or something like I wouldn't want him on special teams just to burn the red shirt unless he's wanting to just play special teams. Cause I don't know how often, and I, look, I think if Jamar chase were coming in right now, how often is he really playing? We saw how much Jamar play, chase played last year and they weren't as deep as they are now returning that many guys. You know, it wasn't like he came in, he did come in and play right away, but you get what I mean. It wasn't like, um, him and Terrace Marshall were no doubt starters. I mean, everybody was getting looks. So I think that this year I would try to find out if Trey Palmer, if you need him in the return game, because I think Stingley can bring that to you. I think there's other guys on the roster who can, you know, offer up uh, some speed and reliability in the return game, actually catching the football, being smart with it. Um, but I, I don't know really, to be honest, how much I look, I love Trey Palmer. I don't know how much he's playing right away, but that's not a knock on him. Just that, They've got like, I mean, you get into the D. Andersons and Stephon Sullivan's and Racy McMaths and Derek Dillon's and John Trey Kirkland. There's a lot of guys beyond Justin Jefferson and then Marshall and Chase. So uh, if he has to wait a little bit, I don't think that's a big knock on where he's at developmental wise. I just think that that means that you'll be able to keep him around a little bit longer. Yeah. And, and I, I do think Trey's somebody that. It, it, Ed Ogeron has kind of been interesting the way he's navigated some of these these four game rule guys because you know Trey a natural fit would be somewhere in in the return game but and once you do that you're you're kind of signing your your life over to him in a way you're saying look you're going to be one of the guys that's back there and that's you know burning a red shirt I would say but look I think he could be valuable there I think Derek Stingley could be is going to be very valuable there Jamar Chase could be they've got some other guys back there at kick return that are going. So, I mean, I could see him redshirting. I, I'm not necessarily sure that that's the right move in a way. I think Trey can bring a lot out of the, out of the slot, especially, um, and, and add, um, look, uh, just a, a game breaker, like speed wise, uh, in that, in that role. And I'm interested to see how Joe Brady and Steve Ensminger kind of put them together and, and, uh, and rotate these receivers because, you know, at the end of the day, I think guys, guys that are receivers like Trey um, or a John Emery or whatever, the, these these elite level prospects, if you redshirt them, you know, it's just kind of, even the four game rule, it's just kind of like, eh, okay, like, yeah, you, you redshirt them. But I mean, realistically, you know, a guy like John Emery, for example, A, he's not going to redshirt. B, you know, he could only be around three years or, or Trey could only be around, Trey could go the greedy route, like, let's say, like, and uh, step right in as a redshirt freshman and then, you know, dominate for the next, you know, two years and be gone anyway. So you might as well play him and get him some spots. And, you know, also on special teams, you know, getting those best athletes out there, I think is something that Ed Ogeron and his, his staff and Greg McMahon have, have really stressed. And that's why they were so good on special teams last year. So um, I could see Trey not redshirting, but, um, what are some of these other guys that you're looking at in the freshman class that, that's incoming um, that can contribute and, and not redshirt and play play early for LSU? Besides, I mean, we can highlight two right away in Derek Stingley and John Emery, right? Yeah, and I think Apu Ica, right? Because, I mean, he was here all spring and it seemed that his competition right now is mainly Tyler Shelvin. Um, and look, Joe Evans is going to join that group and, and I've been an advocate of Joe Evans. I don't know how quickly he comes along in terms of being able to handle the you know the trenches of the college game but we at least saw that Ike can give him something and look I'm glad you touched on Emory and I look I love Emory we we named him the number one running back in the country right it's tough to go through and pick him apart and I, I'm not going to do that because I think he's going to play early 
but I'm not sleeping on Ty Davis, and and now it's actually Ty Davis Price, and I'm curious if he's got the full name now, and he may go with that on the back of the jersey. I, I know that's what he's told me his new official last name is. So uh, Ty Davis Price is someone I think Billy we and as you said, you mentioned it about Trey Palmer, and I believe in this. I think this happens at places like uh, these events, the opening Under Armour Army, is you can get overexposed to a kid, and you can start to really nitpick him, and then you don't do that with other guys that you don't see as often. And we see Ty Davis price all the time. So we know his strengths. We know his weaknesses. I think that he's, he looks dialed in. I've heard rumblings from around LSU that among the guys who are coming this summer, he's one that's really put in the work and granted they get to see him a lot. He's always around campus. He's in Baton Rouge. Um, but he shed some weight. Uh, he's picked up to Moffitt's workout plan really well. He's dived into, uh, the offensive playbook. Um, I think he's a guy who comes in and just picks up where he left off in high school, which he was in a kind of a multiple back system for a few years anyways with Sharvis Thornton. He was obviously the better of the two, but uh, I think he's a guy that can handle a few touches uh, a game his freshman year. My prediction is even with Emory coming in, I bet that Ty Davis plays more than Chris Curry ever did, which means that he may not redshirt. Like I could see Ty Davis Ty Davis Price not redshirting, playing in more than four games and, and getting a handful of carries. But um, I go down the list, and, and another is a guy that you probably saw as much as anyone, um, but Marcel Brooks. And I don't think that they are hurting for edge rushers at the moment. Um, and I think that they've got some safeties they like. I think he could play some safety early on. I really do. Like, if I wouldn't be shocked if he got on the field as a safety at times more than he did as a, an outside linebacker early on. But I think he comes to campus with an overall feel of you got to find some way, Billy, to use him. And I think Aranda and them will because I think that if you sit him on the bench, you're sitting a guy on the bench who's probably as talented as you know half the guys you've got out on the field. And I guess it all comes down to how much does he know about the playbook? Is he screwing up? Is he a chicken with his head you know cut off running around out there but if he's somewhat dialed in or you give him a somewhat small responsibility i think he's got to answer the call because this is the i think he just gets football he's played every position he understands what's needed if he only has to focus on one thing i think he could be really good yeah i mean i think marcel is somebody that will adjust very very well to the physicality of the next level i mean he is just uh, he has that mentality that, to be honest, I mean, you just don't have to worry about it in terms of how physical he'll play, how aggressive he'll play. That's that's in his uh, his DNA. I mean, you watch that tape, and and it's a whole lot of nasty out there. And you know, one thing I do think with Marcel is just adjusting to playing under control, playing playing within a system, and all of that. I mean, sometimes you know, for for Marcus, he was just told, okay, just go, just go get the quarterback, go do this, go do that just go hit somebody. And and so that's what he did and did very well. And I think that's why he's a five-star prospect along with his athleticism that, you know, will, will translate well to the next level. And um, I'm interested to see kind of how he does. I think he, he could have a similar role to what Keenan Jones had as a, as a true freshman playing all on special teams, being physical, being able to handle the the level of sec play in, in uh, on special teams and then getting some time, uh, on defense where, you know, Keenan Jones was a wide receiver at the time, so he didn't really get that much on offense. But defensively, Marcel could very well spell somebody like uh, a Jacoby Stevens at that outside linebacker uh, quarter safety role that he's been playing a good bit. Um, and you mentioned Apu Ika, and 
as a good comparison, you go back to what we saw from Ty Davis as Ty Davis prices fall. And, you know, I think at the all American bowl one, those bowl games do, and I'll admit it just a terrible job of featuring running backs. Right. I mean, they just, they just wanted to sling it around. I mean, he was, you know, on the same team as Spencer Rattler and guys like that. So they pitched it around a, a good bit. I mean, they really didn't run the ball much at all. No, so that's not what those are for. Yeah. And, and it, it's kind of too bad because I mean, they, they, the, it was a good running back, you know, group that he was with. And, and so it would have been fun to see a little bit more out of them and, you know, run between the tackles here and there and, and, and then get up and, and you can, you know, throw the ball on second and third downs for all I care. But, um, you know, Ty, Ty showed up. He was probably a little heavy from the, from the holidays, but like you said, he's been putting in the work and Apu Ika too. And that was one why I was fairly high on, on Apu Ika coming off that week is I watched him work out and he was at 375. Basically, I think it might've been a little bit lower than that, but he said, yeah, just kind of holidays and, I mean, he was coming off of three straight official visits and then in the holidays and then traveling and you're fed like a king on these trips. Yeah, yeah, he's eating well. Hey, they've got that 24-7 room service and and, uh, anything that – that's a great thing. Uh, Shameless plug for our involvement with the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. They they have the whole feast set up for these kids 24-7 while they're at the hotel in San Antonio. So, yeah, I would get up at 2 in the morning too if I was just chilling on a – all-star game uh week to to go get some wings or some pizza so but he moved so well for that size um that entire week and um just was quick off the ball and and tough to block and and i think you know it wasn't really surprising for me to see him come in and and get so much praise from the coaching staff and um Look, I mean, I, there's a very good chance. I mean, he ends up being your starting nose tackle, you know, in the season opener. I think maybe Shelvin will be able to hold him off, but that's how impressive I, impressed I was with Apu Ika. Um, you know, the, this this during that during that All Star game and and all of that. You know, Billy, another guy because we're talking about guys they just signed, and then Ika kids coming from out west. I wouldn't be surprised beyond Stingley and maybe like the top group, a little group of high school freshmen is if Sony Fanua uh, out of Mesa Community College at 6'4", 270 something plays in the three, four guys the most out of this class right away. And we mentioned edge rushers and actually they may, I mean, he played with his hand in the dirt on film so he can stand up and play outside linebacker. He can be a DN. Um, he wouldn't be undersized at the end. I mean, he's going to be big enough. I think he probably, I feel confident saying, will play as much as anyone minus Stingley and maybe Ica. And we'll see. I don't know. Marcel Brooks, guys like that. But I think that Fanu is going to play a ton. Yeah, I mean, you, you go out and sign a junior college guy, and that would be that would be the hope. And um, Yeah, but that's the point, right, is yeah. that he plays. Yeah, and 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 I thought it was a nice little addition at the end of at the end of the signing class. I mean, I, you know, just another, and he kind of reminds me a little bit of Lewis Neal. I think you know him and in the twenty twenty class, Alec Bryant. Those are you know the, that's kind of the comparison, right? That that uh, flexible, you know, almost weak side three four defensive end that's got some speed, some ability to be versatile and and get after the quarterback. I think the pass rush that was something from the defensive line itself that LSU wanted to address. I think they did that with Fanua. So uh, if he can come in right away and and contribute, that'd be big for them as well. Now uh, we've got some more things to talk about on the other side of this break. I was out on the road uh, and got an update on a huge uh, four-star defensive tackle uh, target for LSU. We'll talk about that as well as Clemson's big weekend taking over 
uh, or continuing to build on their number one recruiting class and kind of how that could affect LSU and then touch on some LSU basketball recruiting news. So we'll be right back with the Go 24-7 podcast right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Feel free to leave us a rating and a review and subscribe to the Go 24-7 podcast so you can make sure you get that episode downloaded when we drop a new pod every time. Um, we appreciate you guys and all of our subscribers on Go Twenty Four Seven that that keep us in business, Shay. And and one thing that uh, allows us to do is to get out a little bit on the road and and see some of these prospects in spring practice. And with Louisiana really picking up their spring football practice just last week, uh, I got out and uh, went to Destrehan on Thursday, and then followed that up with a visit to U uh, High, the real long trek over about about seventeen minutes away from my house um, over to U High to see. Four-star defensive tackle Jaquelin Roy, who uh, just dropped his top ten schools. Uh, in that list were Alabama, Florida, Georgia, LSU, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Texas, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma. So uh, everybody, basically. everybody, <laughs> and and even a couple in there. He said, "Look, uh, I I just like what I'm hearing. I still need to visit." So. I think really, I mean, he probably could have dropped the top five if he really wanted to, but he still wants to get out and see some places. And, um, you know, we've got the full update on Go 24-7 right now. He broke down every school for us, um, where he's at with the pro- uh, the process, what's his decision timeline. But, you know, Shea, he really talked a lot about um, how Ed Ogeron has really come back around on his recruitment. Once he decommitted from LSU, there was kind of a cooling off period where he was just kind of keeping in touch with Dennis Johnson. You know, they kind of gave him some space, but now they're back on him hard. What do you, what do you take away from the conversation? And then I'll share some thoughts as well. You know, I thought that, I thought the biggest thing for me is that he talked about how he would like to, and not to give away the whole article, you can read it all, but he talked about his timeline. And, and I think that he said, look, there is stress that comes with it. I'd love to have it done. Um, and all kids are like this, right? Like, I'd like to have it done before my senior year, but not sure if I'm really going to do that. I want to do visits, all that sort of stuff. And now you wait, you sign in December versus February. And I think regardless for Roy, and I think it's sort of telling with the top 10 right now and, and having been committed before, is that whether he does it in December and signs somewhere, or whether he waits till February – I still think by definition he's waiting until the end. And it would be great, right, for LSU if 
he does it in December because you either A, sign him in December, or at least B, know that he didn't sign and you've got a month to figure things out before February rolls around. But when I look around and, and Jacoby at the state, Billy, Jacoby and Guillory is one of the other top D linemen. He's going to do something this summer. So he'll be done. And, and he said, look, I'm not even messing around with it. And I kind of believe it because he's not taking a bunch of visits. He's not doing a, you know, a top 20 to a top 10. Um, he's sort of your small town, you know, your Ash kid. Uh, and then you look at a guy like Jalen Lee, who it's been weird. He didn't do the combines and all that, but he's been making a bunch of visits. He's got a ton of offers, but I could see him like if he said, Hey, I want to go to LSU or I think I'm committing to Georgia. Like I could see him doing it in August and not being a big deal or whatever. I think Roy's the one we're going to sit and wait until the end and whether the end is December or February, we'll see. Um, you were the one who kind of got the vibes from maybe talking to him, but just knowing how things played out, being committed from August until the spring, decommitting, and now sort of pressing the reset button and doing so at a time where now he's a top 100 player. Like then he was like, he was obviously as good as he is now, but he wasn't as, he didn't have all the offers. He wasn't as highly thought of as by recruiting analysts. And now that everyone's gotten a lay of the land, it's quite clear that he's as valuable as they come. A lot of kids have already committed. I just see him, Billy. I don't want to say dragging things out, but taking the time he needs. And and for LSU, I think that means kind of chasing him until the end. Yeah, I I think if he decides to call his next shot before the season, he kind of said maybe if he gets tired of it. I think that would bode well for LSU. He hasn't really – he's taken other visits. He's gone to Tennessee. He's gone to Texas A&M. He's kind of done things like that. But really, I mean – he hasn't been to Bama, which everyone is going to worry about Alabama. Look, he's going to make a trip to Alabama. And um, I think Bama was probably the school to watch over anybody else here. Um, but, you know, they're, you know, Bama's the school to watch for Jacoby and Guillory. They're the school to watch for Jalen Lee, arguably. Um, and, and I'll catch up with him you know, this week as well. But, look, I mean, he um, – it, it, it's, it's tough to get a read on because he is, you know – he is so complimentary. He's, he's, he keeps things relatively close to the vest, but he, he's somebody that when he committed to LSU at first, it was, it was a, look, I'm staying home. This is LSU is where I want to be. And, and I do think for him, there is a sense of LSU is where I want to be. Like, and, and, and that's where it stands right now. Can that change? Yeah, of course it could change, but I do feel like he is the, the type of kid and he's backed it up by taking visits. Right. So when we tracked Sopcher last year, we thought we had a decent beat that he would, you know, really consider LSU. But look, looking back on that one now, I mean, I don't think LSU was, um, they were in it a lot more than everybody probably thought they were and all that, but he, they weren't ever really going to get him in the end. I, I don't think there was just enough buzz and enough, work done behind the scenes to make it look like it. I think with, with Roy, he's been a constant on campus. He's at practice a a fair amount. He's um, made multiple trips over to Baton Rouge or not over to Baton Rouge, but over to, you know, football ops and and gone for junior days and across the street. Yeah. Across the street. Yeah. So he, he, he's backed it up with those visits and he hasn't been to Alabama and now we're in May. So he'll go over for camp, I would imagine, this, this, this summer or, or maybe in the, ne- in the next month. But if Bama doesn't host him for some reason, that's a big sign for LSU and just kind of where they stand. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I do think – it'll be interesting to see, too, what other schools really uh, prioritize them down the stretch. Like, it, it definitely seems A&M will be a team off the battle. Uh, we'll see how hard uh, Bam, and I think they will go after him and, and some other programs. Um, but, look, uh, of all the guys I truly believe uh, that are left on the in-state board and it's not as deep as it always is, uh, I think the fans will circle him as number one. So uh, because of that, I think we're tracking it till the end. Yeah, of course. And, and, and one thing I'll say, and you mentioned him committing this fall and him being as good as he was this fall, he's a totally different player than the one I saw at Zachary this fall in the playoffs. I mean, he is, he's 30 ish pounds lighter. Um, he's coming off really impressive testing numbers at the underclassmen combine. He's been dominant in every setting that he's been in. Um, he's going to the opening finals. He's going to all American games. I mean, he is uh, as much as like major Burns is impressed this spring. Jaqueline has been just as impressive in terms of rising in the state of Louisiana this spring for me. Yeah, and I think around the state, I think Coy Morris had a really good uh, spring, and I yep, think absolutely got there. I think when you look at the two you mentioned, Roy and Burns, and and then you think about a guy like Coy Moore, uh, I think we've started to see that the state, like there's guys jumping into the picture um, from sort of the outside that we weren't as privy to, or we weren't as uh, didn't know as much about maybe um, this time six months ago and a year ago when we sort of looked ahead at this class. Um, but I will say that because you see guys like that emerging and most notably, obviously Burns and, and even, uh, and, and Coy Moore, but, uh, the fact that guys like Keishon Butte go out and run at uh, times like they have Corey Wren, a kid with 25 something offers, uh, is now a top five guy in the country, uh, in the hundred and in the 200. Uh, I think that we're starting to see at least that I think 15, 20 deep of this class will end up playing, Really high level, whether it's LSU or, or an SEC school or a Florida State or something like that, but uh, really high level football, which puts it about on par, Billy, as normal. I just don't think that we have the you know two or one or two or three um, guys who sit in that five star discussion all along. Yeah, and and um, I'll back that up. I mean, guys like uh, you know over at Destraham on Thursday, I saw Noah uh, Talienich. Uh, who's committed to ULL, but he's going to pick up some power five offers. I mean, just with how impressive he was. And he's, he's one of those lighter guys that is not ballooned because he doesn't look like a balloon, but he's big, strong, six, three, two seventy, And he's a former linebacker now playing defensive tackle for, for the Wildcats over there. He's somebody that will pick up some power five offers and make some waves and move up in the rankings. Um, You know, Kyle Edwards, same same team. Kyle Edwards will finish, I mean, barring something crazy. I mean, he's going to finish in a high, you know, not high four-star, but probably in that solid top 100, top 150 type spot. I mean, I, I just, he's been buried you know, behind John Emery and just didn't get the touches. But that coaching staff over there is, is they're high on him. I mean, they, they told me, they said, look, he catches the ball better than John Emery. And that was a big part of his game um, was, was just them getting him the ball out of the slot and stuff. So he's going to be the lead guy and they'll, they'll give him plenty of opportunities to make waves in the rankings as well. So um, we'll get to see a, a battle really in the city then for who's the state's best running back. Is it a shot Clayton or is it Kyle Edwards? Yeah. And, and I saw both last year and even the limited touches that Kyle got, I, I just thought, you know, top to bottom, he was just a little bit better of a, of a prospect. And so I'm interested to see a shot Clayton. I'll see him in his spring game. Um, but I mean, man, Kyle Edwards just really looked the part. Um, you know, on uh, on on Thursday when I saw him, one 
One uh, thing that is looking the part right now is Clemson's uh, recruiting hall right now. Uh, they just landed the number one quarterback in the country, uh, DJ um, Ugealia. I just, I can't, I can't catch. I tried, I tried to keep the, the before new- the podcast started, we actually listened to audio to try to pronounce it right. But that I, was like a good bit ago now. That was like more than 30 minutes ago. You already forgot. Yeah, I forgot. I mean, I've been calling him DJ Ugealia for, uh, that's what I have too. Apparently years. there is no G in it. Like no, it's a it's, soft G. Yeah. It's, it's, I want to say it's, you know, I, I don't even know. But um, if you want to find out, you can uh, go over to the 24-7 Sports College Football Recruiting Podcast where Greg Biggins broke down the commitment of DJ to Clemson. Uh, and he has your full pronunciation guide right there. That was where I listened to it. So yeah. check out our friends over there at the uh, 24-7 Sports College Football Recruiting Podcast. Yeah, that blew my mind. I was like, I knew I was going to be wrong in how I was saying it, but I was so wrong. Like, there was no G even in it. Like, I'd never heard it pronounced correctly until then. And Greg knows for sure because as you, if you go listen to it, he runs down a story about how DJ's dad called and left a voicemail with just like a three-minute lesson on how to, how to, how to say his last name. <laughs> That's why Big's one of the best. He, he really is. And and um, go check that out uh, if you're a recruit, Nick. I mean that that's just really good stuff. Yeah, it was the storyline of the weekend. At what? And I guess now Billy LSU's now into the number two spot of the twenty four seven sports team rankings. So Clemson has fourteen commits. They're number one. LSU has fourteen commits. They're number two. Bama has sixteen. Uh, they're number three. Uh, but Clemson up into the 270-point range, uh, LSU and Bama, 256, 255. Uh, but after that, you drop off. Miami's at 205. Nobody else is over 195. So while Clemson is doing what we knew they would do, right? We They were hyping this up for a year now is this will be Clemson's best class ever. It'll be one of the best classes you'll see. Uh, they had been working all these kids and, and setting up Brian Breezy and all these uh, different guys that they've landed for a while. Um, so they've given a little gap to LSU and Bama, but uh, I think the point still stands. It's a three-team race for the top three spots, uh, and if you're in that conversation as LSU with Bama, Clemson, Billy, I have to think that you can st- you'll sleep easy at night. You'll feel good that if those are the teams out there doing it on the highest level, and you're matching that, you've got uh, that one step closer to actually matching it on the field. Yeah, Shay, and look, I mean. What they've got assembled right now is just ridiculous. They've got the number one quarterback in the country, the number one defensive tackle, Brian Breezy, who, by the way, just clocked a 4-1-3 shuttle, which beat out Nick Bosa's time at the NFL Combine for the tops. And he did it at 6'5", 290. Like, get out of here. I mean, like, that, that is, like, next-level stuff. They've got, so they've got Breezy, the number one defensive tackle. They've got the number one safety in the country committed. Uh, number two running back, number two defensive tackle, number three defensive tackle, and the number three cornerback. And and by the way, they went in and got the number two running back to Demarcus Bowman this weekend as well. And they got him right out of Lakeland, Florida, out of Florida's backyard where they just signed three teammates. So this class that Clemson has is incredible. But look, I mean, LSU, if they can take care of business in the trenches and get some legit guys, they're going to probably finish in the top three you know, right there with Clemson and Alabama. I mean, if, if you think about it, if they get a shot, Clayton, they get Cedric Van Pran, they get, you know, two out of the three of Roy, Guillory, and Lee. 
Um, you know, Major Burns is out there. Major Burns is out there. They uh, have a lot of national prospects still out there, obviously. Yeah. And so they're going to be in really, really good shape. And, um, you know, I would not, if you're an LSU fan, freak out if, if they end up, you know, even number three in the recruiting class rankings, uh, but when it's all said and done, but, um, mega class going on, uh, over there, uh, for Dabo Sweeney and, and the other Tigers. Um, Switching gears, not gracefully, but we're going to have to do it because we're short on time. We remain on commitment watch for Trent and Watford. Shea, we've been waiting on this thing for a while now, and and uh, you know LSU, Memphis, Alabama, all all waiting for him to announce his decision now uh, as the crystal ball trends to LSU. Yeah, I mean, is what and your crystal ball has been on LSU. Jerry Myers, our national analyst, has been on LSU, and it seemed like. Whenever the Will Wade stuff happened the first time and sort of the boats go in different directions, it seemed like Lester Quinones went one way and Trendon Wadford went another. And I, and I think like early on, right, when the LSU stuff happened, it was – or even before then, it was can LSU get them both? Oh, well, LSU is – you know, doesn't have Will Wade right now. Is somebody else getting them both? Um, to me, I guess, and I'm just following the articles you've written and, and kind of the input from Jerry Meyer and what they hear on a national level is that – uh, yeah, sort of Quinones became a lost cause, but they never gave up with Wadford. And at least as we wait for a decision, it seems like it's uh, it's going to work out for them. Yeah, again, it's just a waiting game at this point. So we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. Um, another one we're waiting to see is if Kadeem Sai does make it in for his official visit to LSU this week. Um, we've got some notes on that on the Go 24-7 board if anybody wants to check those out. He's really, I mean, one of the top junior college players in the country uh, and at a position of need for, for LSU. He's a big man um, that can that can score, that can defend, that he's kind of a, similar to Nas Reed. So if they can, if they can finish up with Watford and, and Kadeem Sai, I mean, it's it's all gravy for Will Wade and, and that staff. Go The Go 24-7 board is still legit. That Not only do you have notes about Kadeem Sai on there, but we've got posters like posting live updates from running into him at the airport about where he is and where he's going. So sort of all bases covered on basketball recruiting at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that was that, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was awesome. One of the, our posters just ran into him at the airport and said, hey, uh, you coming to LSU? He goes, oh, yeah, going there next week, blah, blah. Just got back from Ole Miss and just kind of gave him a mini lowdown on how things are going. So just some scoop. Yeah, I, I, I know Kadeem is, is high on uh, – on LSU and, and, and they're in a good position. It's just look with, with the situation and everything that's been going on. There's a lot of pressure on him to maybe take his counts elsewhere, but we'll find out, uh, hopefully soon enough by the end of the late signing period here, May 15th. So keep it locked on go 24 seven Shay, another great pod. We went a little long today, but ended up having a lot to cover. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it lower as time goes on. We've talked a lot. We'll figure out, uh, a way to make it uh, more compact for our listeners. But it was a good one. Got to a lot today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give it about about a seven, about an eight. Somewhere in That's there. Fine. I'll go on there and rate it, and then I'll share what I, what I rated. <laughs> good deal. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. You can check us out at go247.com. Uh, leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Hopefully a better uh, one than Shay gives us on the podcast this, uh, this edition. So Yes, please. <laughs> well, with that, hope you guys have a great rest of the week. We'll uh, talk again soon.